in as far as artist speaking goes, it's like there is something that's being provided. There's there's a message. There's a connection. There's some sort of deep, deep human thing that that makes art a continual necessity. And in that realm, we don't in the in the art realm, we don't think so much of it as a money making venture, even mm-hmm. though artists can make a lot of money doing what they're doing. But for an artist to be at their creative best, money can't be the main thing. No. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the challenges of the creative call so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. Oh, what a lovely day it is. Lovely day for a podcast. The sun is shining. It's the springtime. Officially the springtime. I love the spring, Brandon. How about you? Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's like a reminder. I always think that like there's like a part of me that feels like it's never going to come. Like it's just going to be it's just going to be this cold winter forever, but then spring always comes. So, I'm dilly dallying. I'm beating around the bush, especially, and that's not really the best thing to do when our topic is keeping <laughs> the main thing the main thing. This is a perfect example, Evan. Perfect, perfect. example. Yeah. <laughs> just bullshitting around, and then it's just like, no, keep yeah. the main thing the main thing. This is something that I know we've said in past podcasts. We've talked about this idea of keeping the main thing the main thing, but I don't think we've ever just like grabbed onto it and and ran with it as its own as its own beast as its own topic. So I'm looking forward to getting into this. It seems like for me there's been some things that I've encountered recently that have have been sort of like an illustration of this idea of keeping the main thing the main thing and and I think as far as the artist perspective goes like it's 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 huge it's critical and Mm -hmm. uh, not just for artists but you know in terms of you know for me i think keeping the main thing the main thing is uh is a big perspective thing so it's a keeping perspective mantra of sorts so brandon what do you got to say to open things up i would say just to start off this Keep the main thing. The main thing was not something that you and I came up with. It's actually uh, some speaker, and I forget who said it. And I don't know. Maybe they got it from somewhere. But um, from a business point of view, that's ultimately where I think I got it from initially. And then I th- feel like we talked about this like years ago, and it informed many conversations. But one of the things that I learned in business was that it's so easy to get distracted by all these things you can do. Like, oh, I'm going to be doing social media and I'm going to do this and I'm going to build the website and blah, blah, blah. And like, at the end of the day, your business is about making money. And what's the main way you make money? You get new clients and clients purchase. And so the only measurement that matters is how many new clients or prospects did you get or talk to? how many of them signed up, how many of them paid, how many of the blah, blah, blah. And that's really all that matters. And everything else around that is dressing. And 
you know, and that I think is a really, really important thing for people to get in all aspects of life because it's so easy to get complicated. It's so, so easy. Everything is like this. And this is a lot. I think this conversation has a lot to do with simplicity, but it's about being effective with very simple, practical mind frames and perceptions about what's actually going on. So I'm kind of excited to get into it that way because I think like maybe we'll even talk about some subjects where it's like, well, is this the main thing or is that the main thing? Because I think sometimes with art, we're like, well, maybe you don't know what your main thing is. And I think that should be the number one thing you should figure out. What is the main thing here? Like Mm -hmm. what is the number one most important thing? And then what's number two and what's number three? And after that, you know, you're going to find that everything is built on the one, two, three, you know, everything you do is built on one, two, three. And if you remove one, two, three, all of a sudden, every other part just falls apart and doesn't matter. So like, for example, uh, I don't know, we were just talking about acting. If you're not in the moment, at least a little, (laughs) like everything's going to fall apart. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if um if you have a business and you're not making sales who cares about how good your website is who cares about any of this stuff who cares about how good your product or service is it doesn't matter you know cuz like at the end of the day the whole point of a business is that it makes money right that's that's what a business is and like if you are doing something where the, you know making money is not your main thing fine i'm not you know there's nothing wrong with that but like there's nothing right about it. It doesn't matter. It's just, what is the point of all this? What's the main thing? And I think like a lot of this conversation is about let's, let's try and cut out all the noise that gets us distracted and confused and makes things complicated and difficult. Let's get down to the simple, straightforward thing about whatever we're doing. And then let's focus on that. And once we dial that in, then let's build out from there. You know, and I think that's what keeping the main thing is. And when you start to build out, if you ever lose sight of the main thing, just go back. Wait a minute. What's the main thing? This is the main thing. Does this serve the main thing? Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. That helps you make decisions on more complicated issues. Mm. Mm -hmm. I would, I would say just on one, one small point, I, I would say actually that the main thing for a business isn't necessarily to make money it is one of them but a business is to to fulfill a need but you can but the money aspect is very important because if you don't make money you can't provide the service right there's kind of like a like these things like like i think those two things work they work hand in hand i think that 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 should so it's like it's like a two-fold thing it's like provide a, a a service fulfill a need make money doing that. So you can continue to provide the service. You can... No, no, this is good. So this, let's just start with this as a topic and let's take a few things and let's, let's maybe use them as like, what is the main thing we're actually doing here? So uh, if you don't mind, so like yeah, business, yeah. for example, this is a good example. Is the main thing, is the main thing to make money or is the main thing to provide a service or a value and like, and maybe this is a chicken and the egg situation. Yeah. But like, I think there's, there's a certain, like in business, if you're not, if you're, if, if you're a scammer, then 
it's probably all about making money and the service and the delivery and the problem solving matters very little because it's all just about it's all just about getting as much money as you can before anyone realizes that you're just a big scam and a bunch of bullshit, right? Yeah. Um, whereas if you're running a legitimate like business, it's actually helpful. It's actually doing something. The better service you offer, the better experience you have, you'll find the more money you make anyway. Mm-hmm. So is the money really the point or is the delivery of the service actually the point? But then, like, look, if you don't have any customers to deliver the service to, yeah, then yeah. what are you even doing? You know what I mean? So, like, what is the main thing? I think this is where a lot of times people get confused because they start to think, well, like, I have the best, maybe you do, like, literally have the best service or best product out there. Does it matter if no one knows it exists and no one's getting it? Yeah. Like, who cares if it's the best, right? Like, at that point. So... And and I found, and this is a tough lesson to learn in business, and it it's something that I think sometimes people, they find this out and then they unfortunately fail to deliver because the best is often not the most successful. It's actually usually the most well-marketed that has the best success, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But it's just the reality of people just don't know, you know, and then when they find out what the best is, they're like, oh man, I wish I knew this existed before I bought the crap that yeah. like they pushed on me, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on, on, on that? Yeah. My, my only thought was, was actually how being an artist isn't so dissimilar from that either. Like you're, you're creating something for people like artists are providing a service as well, though I don't think we generally think of ourselves as being people who provide a service. Like we're creating, we're giving, we're giving art, you know, like, but it's, it, it is fulfilling a need. It is fulfilling a service. There's, there's a reason why, why there's a continual, there's always been a continual hunger for art since the dawn of, of humankind, right? I think we did a podcast where we talked a, a lot about that as far as the the artist the artist fulfilling a need in in the world it was we we called it something like like or we said something in that podcast I remember to the effect of art is what we live for or something like that like there's there's the things that allow us to live and then there's the things that we live for mm-hmm. type of a thing. But anyhow, that's, that's me getting a little bit sidetracked, but I think yes, as in, as far as artists speaking goes, it's like, there is something that's being provided. There's, there's a message, there's a connection. There's some sort of deep, deep human thing that, that makes art a continual necessity. And in that realm, we don't in the in the art realm, we don't think so much of it as a money making venture, even mm-hmm. though artists can make a lot of money doing what they're doing. But for an artist to be at their creative best, money can't be the main thing. No. So it's it's I, I'm just wondering if there's if there's a parallel that exists there, but it's like, it's all about the creation of something, Mm -hmm. right? 
It's all about like the, the creation of, of the thing is the most important thing. And then yes, making a living, making some money is important just in terms of, yeah, I've got to survive. I've got to pay rent. I've got to eat like all of this, because if you can't do that thing, you can't really create, you can't really do whatever your, your art is. So there is a very, there is a very important relationship that I think exists there. But I think ultimately, and at least in this example, it, it's really the main thing has to be about the, the, the creative process. Yeah, it has to be the creative process because there's so much stuff when you talk, like when you kind of talk about what, what you just mentioned about how like, oh yeah, it gives us meaning in life. I'm, I'm, I'm adding to what you said, maybe not saying verbatim, but like it gives purpose. It helps people have understanding. They pay a great deal to be able to escape. You know, there's all these services that art can provide for people, but as an artist, that's none of your business in a way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we, you know, we need to let go of certain things as to like what our art is supposed to do for someone else. Like, I, I think that we don't have necessarily control over certain things. Like something that I've had to learn as a teacher is that you'll only learn if you're willing to. Like, this is not mm -hmm. for me to actually do for you. Like, and this is a really hard thing to learn as a teacher because you want so badly to help someone understand yeah, and improve leading, and change and leading the horse with, to water kind of a thing. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. But you have to identify that you want to learn and that you're open to learn. So like something I experienced early on, and I've been active about not working with people like this is the know-it-all. You know, so if someone comes in and they're like, oh, you know, I know like, and they have this attitude, I don't, like I'm, I'm, I'm mocking, I'm being a little silly here, but like, yeah. it's like, yeah, well, you know, I went to film school and I did this and it's like, okay, great. You already know. Good. See you later. Come back when, you know, you want some help. You know what I mean? Like that person is not willing to learn mm -hmm. unless, unless I can help them maybe disarm what they think they know. And, you know, I was talking to a woman last, this last weekend and she she trains horses. She, she teaches people how to ride horses. She does all these things with horses. And we were talking about that. And it was like, the people who already think they know how to ride horses are not the people that do the best and learn. Because what happens is they actually are blocked thinking they already know what they're doing. Mm. And it isn't until they run into some type of problem that they begin to go, oh, okay, wait a minute, I can't solve this problem. And that's when they finally become open to learning something. So mm -hmm. with a person like that, you have to, you literally are not, they're not teachable until they run into pain or a problem. And you'll mm -hmm. find this with business too. Like, like personally, I believe everybody in the world, like I love filmmaking. So personally, I believe everybody in the world should make a film because they should learn what it entails to make a film because first of all there's a there's a bunch of benefits from it like just to lay this out now not everybody will make a film this is my point but there's a bunch of benefits for one you're going to bring something from inside your mind to the outward reality and that's going to be a really great thing for you to do you're going to learn how to be a leader and manage a team departments potentially you know groups of people who are doing something and achieving something you're going to learn how to 
get something done under pressure, with time structure, with demands that are put on you, you're going to find out that there's something more in you than you realized you were capable of doing because you've never been pushed or pressed that way and so on and so forth. And I could list off a bunch of benefits to why making a film is so good for you and will teach you many life skills and you'll be able to do anything if you just learn how to make a film. But not everybody is going to want to make a film and not everybody is interested in and it's going to have the inclination to do it. And even if a film would would literally benefit them in so many ways because it would be directly related to their career and help them take control of it and all this sort of stuff. They first have to understand that and accept that and decide that that resonates with them. Mm -hmm. And then they will be willing to learn because, you know, if I think you should make a film but you don't think you should, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to work. It's not going to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and you, you think about it, it's like, if I'm going to sell anybody anything, and I, I'm weary with that word because people hear the word sell and they have connotations of persuade, trick, you know, convince. That's not, when Manipulate. I say the word sell, what I mean is that I'm going to help you build a bridge between where you are and where you know already that you want to go. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help you build that bridge. Whether I help you literally build the bridge with me or I pass you on to someone else who will help you build the bridge. And that is going to be the sale. And the sale is going to be a very beautiful thing where you felt like he helped me. You're not ever going to feel like you got convinced or or persuaded or pushed into something that you didn't already know that you wanted. And I've learned in my life that the best way to sell is not to ever make an assumption about anything that anybody ever wants. Always ask them, always inquire, always look into it. And when you find out what they want, help them cross the bridge to that. And if there's something that they they maybe need, but they don't know they need yet to get to where they want, you might suggest that. And then if you offer that need, that's sales. And like, if, if there's one lesson I could ever inspire or encourage into anybody is that that is, that is a beautiful life. Learning how to do that gives you basically the whole world, you know? Um, But the point is, is that selling somebody to build a bridge to their dreams who doesn't even know they want those dreams. That's a painful experience and pointless. And, and there's a lot of, there's no good in that, right? Really? There's like a lot of bad in it, more bad than good. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Yeah. And then that keeps you from being, being able to do your main thing. (laughs) Right. So then, so like in this case, you know, you could say, well, business is making sales, but no, maybe it's more like, Business is, is helping people get what they want. You know, like, I mean, like when you start to think of it, like, like one of, one of the business coaches I've worked with, who's, you know, like multi, multi tens of millions of dollars, like his whole thing is like, you'll know you're going to, you know, you're doing well when what's keeping you up at night is not how to help yourself. 
but how to help your clients help mm. themselves. When that's keeping you up, when you're trying to figure out how to help them help themselves, then you're going to find that you have a lot of success because, you know, and, and I think initially a lot of the things that we do are really about us. And, and that's what I'd call, um, I know I'm talking a lot, I, but it's low, it's low drive purpose when we are self-involved in our goal, mm -hmm. when our goal becomes about something that we actually see our impact, that's when our motivation and purpose gets like times 10. Like it's like, cause you begin mm. to see the effect you have. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, that reminds me of something that my acting teacher, Larry would say, and it's something that I continue to teach. I, pass along to to my students but he said as as an actor he said your partner will take you further than you've ever dreamed of and it's so true it's so true as an actor when you learn to be extraordinarily responsive and sensitive and open to what your partner is doing it's like your performance is just doing itself there's like you don't have to to work which is a challenge a lot of actors have they like trying they're trying to make their performance happen through like a sheer act of of force and that's just not the way that incredible performances happen you can't mm -hmm. you can't well you know like you might yeah you might have some you know intense emotional sorts of moments but it's going to be completely disconnected from what's going on and that and which is still really bad acting <laughs> when it comes down to it but you know it's it's interesting because like part of that idea part of that philosophy is that is is part of like what's the main thing what are you as an actor making the main thing and you know, one of the things, one of my students actually, this is, oh my God, this is like incredible how this is all coming together. But I was having a one-on-one a -on -one chat with one of my, my students and he was telling me about how he was explaining what he was learning in my class to, to a friend of his. And he said that basically for him, he's like, what I've been, what it's been training me to do is to is to look to my partner for for what I do next to look to my partner instead of looking to myself in what I'm doing and I was like you know that's I'm so glad you brought that up because that's not necessarily something I'm I'm unaware of right but it's something that I've sort of forgotten to communicate in the whole you know, in, in my teaching. And so now it's, it's through him, I've been learning like, Oh yeah, actually right, that's an right. important thing for me to, to actually, because that's something important that I actually want to communicate to everybody else. And so I have been, I've been letting everyone know that it's like, look, a big part of Meisner training is that we're trying to retrain ourselves so that in, as an actor and when you're diving into a performance, which is diving into the unknown, diving into, I don't know what's going to happen next. Being in that unknown space is 
is a it's a challenging thing to do in many respects and what happens when we get thrown into an unknown space is that we go inside of ourselves so the actor starts thinking about themselves in the whole thing it's like oh i don't know what's going on i retreat inside of myself right and instead the process of what i'm teaching is look to the other person instead of going into yourself i want you to look out over there and i want you to respond out over there and just retraining yourself to do that and that's the main thing mm-hmm. the main thing is that you're always going over there to inform you of what you're going to do next. Which yes. is like, yeah, like, and, and it's, and yeah, and that's, that's the main, that's the main thing in, in that scenario. You know, it's so there's so many parallels with, with this to other things. I mean, when I think about sales, I just want to come back to that for a second because you're talking about this is that people go, well, I don't know how to sell. I'm scared to sell. I'm scared to do this. It's exactly the same way you described. Yeah. Look to that person for the answers. Don't look inside. Don't be like, oh, I need this sales technique or this trick or this. No, 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 no. Listen, ask questions, genuinely ask questions, you yeah. know? Yeah. And what, like people will respect it. Like if you're, if you're young, like if you're a young person and you don't know a lot yet, maybe you're fresh out of school, but maybe you have something to sell. Maybe you want to be an entrepreneur. I don't know. I and you don't know. And you're like, but I don't, I, I don't know enough. I don't, I don't have the answer. Tell the person. Okay. You know what? That's a good question. I don't have the answer on that, but I can find that out for you, you know, or you know, or this person or whatever. But like you're a solution specialist. <laughs> solve problems, right? People have mm-hmm. problems, solve problems. Then you become valuable to them, right? If you're working a Joe job, some hourly job where you almost seem like you could just be replaced, you want the best advice to get promoted? Start solving problems. Start becoming a problem solver. You'll become so valuable that they'll never want to get rid of you. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll get promoted. I mean, like I did a test for a little bit where I worked for some companies just to like, you know, I, I never really had regular jobs. I've always kind of been an artist and an entrepreneur. And for a little while, you know, I said, okay, well, I tried the six month contract with one company and then they really liked me. So they said, Hey, do you want to do this job? And so I started doing that job and then, you know, COVID hit. And so then I was like, well, Hey, you know, like if you want to keep working, we have this other thing you could do in a factory or warehouse. I'm like, sure, let's try that. And then it was like, okay, well, I'm kind of tired of this. Let's move over to this company. And I did that for a few years and I just kept getting promoted. I kept getting moved up and, and whatever. And It was interesting because one of my managers, he said to me, he's like, really, you're as valuable as you solve problems because everything is really just problems that need to be solved. And there are Mm -hmm. people who you tell to solve problems and there are people who come up with solutions and solve those problems and tell people to solve problems. So if you want to get promoted, be the problem solver, because those are the people that become managers and leaders and business owners and all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. But it's basically everything kind of comes down to the same thing, right? So like you, you, you're not going to know the problem to solve until you experience it and run into it. So like, if you go like, um, 
well, I, I like, I'm just trying to say like, the point is to be, to be present and to be engaged. And I think like with acting or with like anything, you know, maybe the main thing, Evan, before we get into like, well, you got to look at your numbers and your sales and all of this stuff. Maybe it's all about how many auditions did you get? How much did you book? Maybe that's not the point. Maybe the main point is number one, get engaged and something other than yourself. Mm-hmm. I might say that is kind of the main thing. Get engaged in something other than yourself. And then from there, let's build upon that. And I would argue that when I'm thinking about this now, and granted, this is a very short period of time, which I'm working this out here in this moment. But I suspect that if you lose engagement from something outside of yourself and it begins to come on yourself, you'll find that a lot of these other complex things begin to fall apart. Because I know it works that way with sales. The moment you start thinking about yourself is the moment you're basically dead in the water, usually with sales. It's usually when it starts to fall apart. But if you're thinking about what you're doing, the problem you're solving, the other person's issues, their challenges, what they need, everything is super easy and super simple. And they will give you everything. They'll tell you like, oh, I got this problem. This is what I, you know, I don't know what to do with this. Oh, okay. You know, great. Now you know what their issue is. Now you give them something they actually need as opposed to go, you know, you really need this addition to your computer or some shit. You know what I mean? And they don't even know they need it because they have no relationship to it yet. Right. Because you're thinking about the upsell, you know, because like they'll do that in business. It's like, what's the upsell? And it's like, wait a minute. Why does an upsell even happen? An upsell happens because someone needs something in addition to the service that you solved for them. Yeah. Right. They, they, they would like something as well. Yeah. It, it, yeah. And that's all, you know, and, and that gets, there's all of these things that get totally get lost in translation. Yes. Right. And that's one of those things like, Oh, the upsell. And so then it becomes just a tactic. It becomes a part of a system and it's just like, well, no, that's not the, the really like that. And, and upsell is, is not even necessarily, you know, that's like a really cynical, that's like a, the cynical manipulative way of, of call of calling it where it's really just like, Oh, there's a person and they actually do need this other thing. So we tag that on, on top of it. Right. right. But instead it becomes part of just a system and, and it's, and the systems are always impersonal for the most part, right? Like there's, in fact, they are, that's actually, it's not mostly they are, they're by their very nature impersonal. So yeah, I think that's where a lot of that stuff gets lost where it's like, you know, and that's where people start feeling icky and it becomes manipulative because you're trying to give something, somebody that they actually don't need help with. They don't need help. And tell them and, and tell them that, oh, you need this. Right. And then it gets really icky. Whereas, you know, for some people, it's like, no, it's actually, this is all that they need, what they, all they actually really need help with. And I'm going to honor that and respect that and fulfill that. And by doing a great job, just in doing that, there's a good chance that either that person comes back to you or that person sends somebody to you, right? Like there's, and there's being, being ethical in, in those realms has all kinds of long-term benefits it's really about you know 
trying to to put out a lot of these ideas that are really short-term focused. And I mean, we you don't need to look far out into our world today to see the disastrous fucking consequences of short-term thinking. Yes. We don't need short-term thinkers anymore. No. <laughs> you know, we no, need and, Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, you know, it's uh, the abundance mindset versus the scarcity mindset is yeah is a, an important thing to bring into this conversation actually right now because when you're in a scarcity and survival you're often thinking very short term you're thinking i need to put food on the table i need to cover my rent i need to my mortgage my car whatever and you're just thinking about what needs to get taken care of right now and don't get me wrong that is a very very challenging at times mindset to get out of and it's all good and well for me to sit here and say, be abundantly mindset, you know, like <laughs> think everything is on its way, you know, like, yeah, of course, but when you can't eat and you're trying to figure out how to get through the month or the, or the year even whatever, maybe that's even short term, you know, in some cases, right. You're not thinking about the big picture the vision, the, the ultimate thing you're trying to do. And you, you end up making choices that actually cost you later a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think that there's something that I, I try to, I've been trying to train my mind to think about is that if I'm in a survival moment, I try to think about, okay, this is what I need right now, but what am I doing so that I never have this moment again where I'm so caught in the moment of what I need, because I, I I try to identify that this is not good. This is problematic. That if I'm in a survival moment, that I'm actually, I've done myself somehow a disservice to get myself there. And I got myself there. That's the reality of it. Because if I'm there, I figured out how to get myself in this position. So as I'm trying to take care of the moment, which sometimes is necessary, you know, it's, it's just, this is the moment it needs to get taken care of. Try to also look at how to not ever have that moment be repeated, you know, because mm -hmm. something you did created this scarcity moment for you, which is actually undermining your potential and your capability. Because for example, when I'm in the abundancy mindset, it's so much easier for me to say no to somebody and not to try to push something that maybe I don't in, in a, in a better, more abundant place. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do like I've taken on clients who weren't like, it's not that they weren't ready. Cause I'm not like, I never push anyone down the road. Who's not ready, but like people who could maybe like, they could take a few months you know, like, like maybe I could send them away and just be like, look, this is what you need to do for a few months. This is what you need to figure out. And then let's come back and let's do it. If you're ready, if you want to. And when you're in an abundant mindset, you're, you're going to make decisions like that. Whereas when you're in a scarcity place where like, oh, I could really use the sale. I could really use the new, you know, the new clients or the new money or the whatever you, you do a bit of a disservice to yourself and to them because what ends up happening is they're not quite ready. So it's pushing them a little bit, which isn't always bad. Sometimes it's okay, but you're also, they're harder to teach because they're not as ready 
as maybe they they might need to be. You know what I mean? And so it's difficult. Like this is a, I think we're talking about a complex issue here that everybody struggles with in a certain way where it's like short-term demands versus long-term vision. And Mm -hmm. what, like, you know, I think the idealist in me is always like, yes, long-term vision. That's, that's the dream. That's the goal. But sometimes life is not about long-term vision. Sometimes life is about today right now, this yeah, moment, yeah. this week, this month, this year. And that's all it's about. And I think that, you know, sometimes the main thing is I got to figure out how to stay afloat right now with somehow without compromising my vision and my integrity, which is not always an easy task because sometimes surviving the moment means compromising part of your vision and, and your bigger goal for the sake of the moment. Right. And that's, that's just life. Yeah. And yeah. those testing moments uh, are usually te- teaching moments for yes. ourselves, right? And and we need them. Yes, you know, we, we do. We, we need them. It's not all about things being easy and breezy all the time. Like those, those moments actually uh, help us to help us to understand ourselves and, and become wiser in understanding sort of, I guess, the touch that is required at different kinds of moments. Because yeah, absolutely. Sometimes there are things where it's like, no, actually this thing needs to be handled right now because this thing is, if like, if we don't get around this thing that's right in front of us, there, there is no bigger picture after this. Yeah. So, you know, there's, because yeah, there's, as I believe, part of my sort of overall beliefs around life is that, yeah, there are things that are tendencies and we tend to, to, I think the tendency as far as the main thing is concerned is long-term. We, as much as possible, want to think of long-term. How is this, how is this going to, how is this going to affect others and myself like what is the good for the most amount of people you know over you know scaled over a long period of time that's the main thing but every now and then the best thing is actually going to be it's like oh no we need to take care of this thing right in front of us right now that's (laughs) that's the main thing hey everybody this is evan and this episode is brought to you by my book Yes, I recently released a book called The Actor's Awakening, Connecting Spirituality to Craft. Expand yourself as an actor and your craft through a spiritual perspective. Take a journey that will explore universal philosophies and insights to help you understand human nature in a profound way and develop practices to take your work to another level. Again, that's The Actor's Awakening, Connecting Spirituality to Craft, available on Kindle and paperback on Amazon. And as always, if you like the show, please subscribe. So, yeah, ab- absolutely. There, there's and being able to decipher, like, when, you know, when that matters. And also, yeah, yeah. the other thing is it just, well, we're on this, I don't want to move on too quick, but, like, fear and anxiety can cause you to make poor decisions when you don't need to make poor decisions. Oh, yeah. Because we all have different tolerances, right? Like, some of us, like, literally have just pennies in the bank and we're totally relaxed and we're like, that's ah, fine. You know, I'll figure it out. I'll, it'll all be worked out. Some people, they have literally hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of dollars in the bank and they're stressed out and they're like, Oh my God, like 
we've lost so much money this month, blah, 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 what's going to happen? And they're in a fear state. And so you, you sometimes can convince yourself that, oh, if I just had this money or this resource or these people, I would be okay. And I wouldn't be in this anxious state. And you convince yourself that that's true. And it's not because truthfully, you can learn to relax in any moment. You could be, you know, in a horrible, difficult moment and you can, you can Zen out if you want to call it that, where you can find peace and be like, I'm going to literally take this moment to moment to moment and just be like, am I like, and I've had to do this at times in my life where I've had to say to myself, am I okay right now? And I am like, yes, you are okay right now. And will I be okay in this next moment? Yes, you will be. And am I going to be okay for the next foreseeable 10 moments, 20 moments, 30 moments? Yes, you will be. Okay. So I have 20 or 30 moments of peace. Let's try and do something now and get myself to a, a Zen state where I'm at peace and at ease because I know from there, I'm going to make a relaxed, intelligent, just, just well chosen move because mm -hmm. I know when I get freaked out and anxious, that's when I start to make poor decisions. I start to do things that are drastic. I start to, I, the, the wrong words will come out of my mouth. The wrong emotion will be guiding what I'm saying. I, mm -hmm. and, and we are all like that. And this is when we're in a fight with our partner and we say something we can never take back or something, right? Like, you know, and in that moment, you gotta, you gotta hold it. You gotta hold your tongue understanding that. Yeah. Like I could win this moment, but like, this isn't the right thing to do, you know? And it's too hurtful. It's, it's, it's inappropriate. Like, you know, and I, I, uh, I think I've been there in my own life with, um, you know, relationships where maybe somebody told you something in confidence and they were just relaxed when they told you. And then somehow it comes up in an argument and you shouldn't have brought it up <laughs> <laughs> because it's actually a breach of trust and it's a breach of their vulnerability, but you know, it happened and you know, you have to eat it because you did it. And then you look back and you go, okay, well, like, but that causes damage in the relationship that you're ultimately going to have to repair. And in the moment, if you're in survival, you might think that it's okay, or you're careless about it and you make a rash decision. Right. So like, I think what we're kind of talking about here is like, Look, the main thing, if, if I was in a relationship, I would say the main thing is the overall health and love and trust of this relationship. That is what's most important. How I feel is secondary to all of that. And so I would try to make my decisions based on that, no matter how angry or sad or upset or anxious I was in that moment. And that's called maturity and discipline and wisdom. And I think everything is kind of like that. You know, there's these, there is this pull to the dark side all the time. <laughs> yeah. And the, the dark side, you know, most of us, when we're thinking in an idealistic state, we're like, yeah, I would never do that. That's wrong. That's bad. But just wait till you're in that moment and, and let's see what you do. Right. And you might not know until you get into that moment. And then you might be sometimes surprised that you're not as idealistic as you would like to be. And that's okay because you can admit it and go, you know what? Um, I was weak. Let me be stronger next time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
And so like, I think a lot of this is what we're talking about. Like keep the main thing, the main thing. If I was in a relationship that I wanted to say, have a lifetime with the person, I would try to make, make the main thing, our trust and our bond and the security of our vulnerabilities together above all else, including my current emotion. Mm-hmm. I would think that is the main thing. And I think if I kept that in mind, it would help me to make better decisions in the moment, not to abuse or destroy that in any form. Yeah. I mean, I know for myself and, you know, a relationship coming on to 11 years now, it's like, you know, it's interesting. It's not that your emotions are not important, but to me, it's a, a healthy relationship is always about respect. And it's like, you can have those emotions, you know, and I've seen relationships like this and it's, it's always like, Ooh, that's not, that's not a good sign. Right. And and I think to just build upon what you were saying um, in this particular example is that I've seen people who they let their emotion, their emotional response to what's happening be the main thing. Yes. And what, can can end up happening is that the expression of that become because it's the main thing because it's the most important thing comes at the cost of respecting your partner it's like look you can communicate your anger you can communicate your frustration you can communicate whatever it whatever that thing is you can communicate that but if you lose respect for the other person and when you communicate that that's a problem Right. And I know it's like, it's, and for, for me and my wife, it's like, we always respect each other, or at least we always try to respect each other, even in, in the tough moments. And that, that can be challenging, but it's, it, for the health of the relationship, it has to be there. Once there's no one, when respect is lost, it's just like, oof, that's when things get ugly. Yeah. And, you know, I think, if you guys like nine out of 10 times or 99 out of a hundred times, whatever the odds are, I don't know, but like your respect for respect for respectful. And there's one time where you slip. Yes, that can be damaging, but if you are in a consistency of respect, you can, you can work it out because you can be like, you know what? Honestly, I was emotional. I said something I shouldn't have said. And in the moment, and I, and I know it might've been hurtful or stupid and I totally take responsibility and the person can accept that. But if you're constantly disrespecting that person over and over oh, and yeah, over yeah. again, they're never going to take that apology and be like, no, like you, you do this all the time. Like, you know what I mean? Like it yeah. wouldn't matter. Like there's too much of a mess to clean up. Yeah. And, and it is sometimes there are, are those moments where there is a slip and, and you communicate something that isn't so, you know, is not your best and is, if not, disrespectful is is verging on disrespectful and i find that often is the case is that either one of us maintains the space of respect (laughs) and will communicate just like hey what that thing that you just said or whatever it was and then it's just like be, and you're and you're communicating it to me respectfully because you're honoring the, like you you're still keeping respect for me even though I just didn't show a lot of respect and then you know or or it can happen right. as you were saying as well where it's where it's you recognize for yourself it's like oh shit that was that was no good 
that was real bad let let, let me let me apologize and 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 rephrase myself in a in in a way that is the way that i want to be Mm -hmm. and sometimes when you're you can do something that slips your mind as to how inconsiderate it is like and how Mm. um like how much it maybe lacks compassion or understanding. I remember I was dating a girl when I was very young and um, we, we were, something came up about cancer. And I remember I, I said something careless about like I was young and, you know, you know, and just not thinking. And I, I said something probably to the effect of like, Oh, you know, cancer is just something like, you know, that you bring on yourself or some bullshit, like some whatever. Yeah. And she took me aside and she said, she's like, Brandon, that was really hurtful. You know, my mom died of cancer. And and in that moment when I had said it, I never thought about how that might impact her. Mm. And I remember being like, you know, I'm so, I'm sorry. Like I'm, I like I, and I, that was dumb. You know what I mean? And she took it and, and we moved on. It was good. But like, it was good of her also to take me aside and say, and let me know that I did something boneheaded, <laughs> whatever I did, you know, I just, yeah. I just, I don't remember. It was so long ago. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I said something boneheaded that was probably not um, very well thought out, probably brash opinionated in the moment. And it also taught me something in that moment because it taught me to think a little bit more about when I say something that um, even though I don't mean any harm, that my words are powerful and that they have an impact. And sometimes, you know, my opinions are not actually fully baked or not really well thought out and they're not, you know, and in truth, I might've even been parroting a, uh, an opinion that wasn't even mine, you know, a, mm-hmm. a topic we talked about in like the last podcast of the podcast before, where sometimes we repeat ideas that we hear from our parents or our peers or our schools or whatever. And we don't even think about it. And just because someone said it, we're like, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And then we haven't fully thought it out. And then someone also says, Hey, you know, this happened in my life. And you might go, Hmm, wait a minute. Maybe I don't believe that. You know, maybe that's actually not where I stand with that yeah. particular thing. And, um, you know, I don't want to get too far off topic, but I think the point is, is that th- the main thing, you might think it's one thing, and then you might realize in your journey that it's something else. And that is also okay. Because you yeah. might've been like, my whole life is sales and money and success, and this is what I'm doing. And these are the main things. And then all of a sudden, your kid gets sick and they might die or they got injured or something happened. And all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, money and success doesn't matter because everything I've been doing has been to help my kid to have a great life, to do this stuff. Actually, the main thing is my fucking kid. And all of this stuff over here was really to serve this thing over here. This is the main thing that is secondary to this thing. And Mm -hmm. so then that reinforms everything you've ever done because you were so tunnel visioned on this thing you thought mattered and realized all of a sudden, actually, it's not as important as I thought. And I think like art and life is like that. You know, sometimes you have these epiphanies where you're like, wait a minute, (laughs) it's not the main thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that that you brought this back up because it's something that I wanted to come back around to 
Because you had said something like that fairly early on in this conversation where you were saying sometimes we don't even necessarily, we might not know what the main thing is. And it, and it's important for us to find out what that thing is. And, you know, in the, in the creative space, in the artistic space, sometimes you do go into things a little bit blind without really fully understanding why you feel compelled to head into a certain direction and you don't really know what the main thing is but you begin and you see something through to a certain to to a certain place and sometimes that's just so you can actually figure out what the whole thing is right like we've talked a lot about as far as you know we'll, we'll go with writing a script because this is the most prevalent that i've seen this come up as but when you if you've ever written a story doesn't necessarily have to be a script. If you've written a story and invested some real time and energy and thought into writing a story, there's this thing that you go into it with. And then when you, it's not until you get to the end of it that you really understand what it was that you, that you just wrote. And as any writer knows, once you've gotten to the end of it, that you know, that's, that's not the end. Mm-hmm. Right. Because now you, you, you go and you rewrite it, you go and you do it again, you clean it up and you, because n- not only because there's going to be just some junk in there, but because now you have a new perspective on, on the story, you've become intimate with it. Right. And intimate. One of the things I, I love about the word, uh, I think the word in Japanese for intimate means at one with so you become mm. intimate with the story and so now you really understand what it's about and now you can actually really get to the 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 places that are are the most important now you can actually get to the main thing and start communicating what the main thing actually is and i think that sometimes your main thing can be just trying to figure out what your main thing is. Yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> that great can point. be the main thing at some point. It's like one of those dolls that just like, you know, you open one up and then there's another one and then there's another one. There's another one. Yeah. So yeah. 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 No, that's good, man. I mean, that's uh, I think the thing is the end of the day, like this talk is a lot about getting out of the weeds and the complexities and getting into the simple, most straightforward, most important element, and then centering in on that and then building back out and, mm-hmm. and going back into the complexity, but having that core thing that now you go, okay, now I know what the core thing is. Now I can go out and out and out as far as you can even possibly do it. But knowing that if I lose the core thing, all of this stuff out here all of a sudden it all wilts it all just kind of doesn't work anymore um there's a a show that's come out on uh, hbo recently it's um of a video game called the last of us and i recently watched the the series and then i watched the making of as well and they did an excellent job in my opinion there's so many details in the show which 
I think they did a great job of just bringing certain things to life. I think they used the source material well. Um, they took some creative liberties, which I personally was fine with. Um, you know, I'm sure some people are, oh, it's not true to this. Okay, whatever. But, um, <laughs> and that's valid. I mean, that is valid, uh, you know, and we can debate where they're, you know, those creative risks um, work or not. But my point is, is that there's things about it that definitely work. And one of the things that really works is the music. And one thing about the musician who I don't know his name, but his whole model of doing music apparently is how do I, how do we achieve this the most simple way possible with mm -hmm. like, he calls himself a minimalist in his art. How do I do as little as possible to achieve this thing? And I really like that approach because the, to me, the music is excellent and the, the strings that they use and, and the main kind of theme sound of this of this show is just so perfect and it's emotional and i just feel it really brings you into this world and it gives you a certain particular feeling which is just it's very nuanced and you really feel like wow like that is that show that sound mm -hmm. when i hear it i think about the game i think about that show and nothing is quite like when i hear that sound like it's specifically that and so when i think about that it's kind of like, that's really, I think, what keeping the main thing, the main thing is what let's, let's do the main thing and let's only do as much on top of the main thing as is necessary. Mm. Let's not try and do everything. Let's just add to it what is necessary. Like, cause once you start putting too much on you, you're going to cloud and take away. So like, as I said earlier, you can go as expansive and out there as complex as you want. But sometimes that complexity that you're reaching for begins to take away from the main thing and you have to stop. Yeah. Stop yeah. adding to it. Stop putting more into this. Just let it breathe. <laughs> well, let it be what it is, you know? Yeah, yeah it, it makes me think, that makes me think of a podcast we did a little while ago, uh, the Artist Wisdom series, Ernest Hemingway, anything more than the truth would be too much. Yes. Right. And it's, it's, yeah. And yeah. 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 Well, it, you know, it's a good talks, man. Yeah. <laughs> we all kind of tie it to each other. Well, look, I mean, I don't know, like maybe we wrap this baby up. Yeah. Unless you got, it. unless you got some thoughts. I, I've got, I've got a thought that I jotted okay, down a little while ago, but I feel like it'll maybe be a good closing thought. And okay. uh, so, yeah, let's do it that way. Let's do it a closer. Um, right. Okay, well, I'll go beer first, if you don't mind. Not at all. I may have had this one before, but uh, it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Whistler Brewing Co. Uh, it's called Function Junction. Oh, yeah. Or Junction Function. I think it's Function Junction. Um, it's a Northwest Pale Ale, and uh, it's got a snowboarder on the front. It's um, <laughs> it's a good beer. It's a nice it's a nice beer. I have, I have enjoyed it for the show. So that's what I'm drinking today. Nice. I went to where it's been a while. So I went back to where it all began. I mm. got uh, I got something three. from thir 33 three. Acres. <laughs> and this is their 33 Acres of Sunshine, which is nice. their French Blanche, which I have had many times before. And this definitely won't be the last time. It's terrific and perfect for a sunny spring day as it is today. Just kind of 
uh, light and kind of citrusy and weedy and all that stuff. And, and so, yeah, it's been, it's been good for this one. Oh man. You know, every time I think of 33 acres, it's like, it always kind of warms my heart because it's really like, it's where everything started. Like, you know, and it's just, they just happen to be the guys that we were, yeah. we were around. They were our watering hole. <laughs> if, if if we can, you know, if we get the opportunity to link up in the, in the city again, we should definitely, we should definitely go and put our faces back into that place. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, uh, do you want to wrap up first or should I? Uh, I think maybe I'll go first. I think I had okay. final comments in the last, in the last episode. Not that it really matters, but. You know, right. it's sometimes it's nice being the person who's got that nice little music fade out at the yeah, end, yeah. you know, get the dramatic, <laughs> get, get, thanks get for the, giving me that. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get the dramatic flavors going. <laughs> uh, so yeah, what I had, there was something that you had said that, that brings me back to a point that always comes up on this show. Something that just is always showing its face, at least to me. And that is, oh, and actually there is one thing before I go into that. You were saying like the the whole thing about the title of this. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing was said by a guy named Stephen Covey. Okay. I wanted to look that up because I thought that's, that's important. I think we should give some credit there to to, to that. All right. So the thought that I just jotted down here was the main thing is your control is what you control and your greatest control is your attention and your attention is your energy. Like it's like we, I think that could probably I think they might be interchangeable. They might be even the same thing. Your attention, energy, I think that they're they're one and the same thing. Right? Where we put our attention is where we put our energy. Where we put our energy is where we're putting our attention. Like they're synonymous with each other. And that is the thing that we control. Or that that we have the most control over there's so many things that we don't have control of but where we put our attention is is everything where we're putting our attention is absolutely everything the th- on the thoughts that we have the activities where we participate in the you know are we doing the things that are enriching or are we doing the things that are that are uh, corrosive, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, "What's the opposite of of enriching?" Corrosive seems like a that 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 word will do. So, I think that that for me is is my one of my main takeaways from this whole whole thing. Once again, is this thing of attention, man? Attention is magic, and that is the greatest thing I have control over and as such, it should be, it should be my main thing. I don't know. There's, there's this whole thing around these words, control, attention, 
um, and and keeping and yeah and keeping the the main thing the main thing and I think the other thing as well is you you brought in the word simple and simplicity and I think that that goes apart that goes with this as well which is I I think that we can get when we start to overcomplicate things it's when we're extending our attention onto things that we can't really do anything about right we're we're extending our attention into a place where we don't have control over anything and that is only naturally going to produce anxiety tension confusion and a waste of energy so keeping the main thing the main thing is they're saying at the beginning has a lot to do with perspective and keeping the perspective of like okay where i'm putting my attention is going to be where i land and i think keeping our attention on the creative the creative thing that we've got is probably a good place to start so that's what I got. That's what I got. Well, well said, man. I mean, <laughs> what do I say now? <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you, man. I, I, I do. I, I really, I really have adopted that as a important part of my process in how I do life now, which is really just looking at attention and letting, letting things get built around where I'm going to direct my attention because I find it to be true with everything. It's really just where do where do I want to put my attention? And I think like if I could add anything to this, I think what I'm discovering through this talk is that sometimes, well, I'll speak for myself because I was about to say like, we as people. Okay, for me, what I've noticed is that sometimes my attention is a little more shallow than I realize. And I think that's a natural part of growing up and maturity and the evolution you have as a human being. I think we're all, I would assume that we're all a little bit more shallow in our, in our connection to purpose and, you know, all of this than we realize because we don't always know why we're doing something. So like, for example, when I was younger, so much of my attention was on how to succeed, how to be successful, how to be a big deal, how to, you know, how to be popular or, you know, just socially cool, all this stuff. Right. And at a certain point in my life, I had some disruptions in my plans and it really made me question like, well, why am I doing all this stuff? You know, if this is kind of how things turn out, and I started to realize that everything I was doing was for love. And this informed me in a really deep way because I realized that it was all just a creative way for me to feel like I was lovable and that I could have love and that I was deserving of love and that love, 
would be available to me if only I was a success, if only I did these things. And then I started to realize, well, you know, man, you're a bit of a dancing monkey, aren't you? You're performing for everybody in a way to try to, you know, and like it brought up existential questions, deep questions. Could I be loved simply for being me? Are there qualities about me that maybe are lovable? Like maybe being kind and being honest and being a good friend, like are those, you know what I mean? And so these pursuits of success became kind of muffled and less important. And so the main thing was not quite the main thing anymore. It became, wait a minute, all of this shit, everything I do, (laughs) whether it's petting my cat or trying to make a movie is all about fucking love. (laughs) (laughs) so love's the main thing so i try to i try to base every decision i make now out of where is the love because i realize that that's the main thing now is there a deeper level than that is there a more uh succinct more specific um maybe i don't know yet but this is what i've gotten to so my point is for anybody out there who's trying to figure out what the main thing is i would highly suggest You ask, like, why do I want this? What am I really going for? Like, what do I think this is going to get me? And I would encourage you to look towards where you're trying to find love in your life. I really think it all comes down to that. I think every human being really just wants love in some form or another in some way. So, yeah, that might be overly simplistic and maybe a little bit too generic or bland of an answer to say, look, one, my main thing is love. Okay. But you can kind of understand that maybe the seed is in the love. And then maybe you have to go a little more complex to really kind of get something to latch on to. You know, um, I, I think of when I think of love, the concept of love doesn't really do anything for me. But when I think of like, for example, my little cat, or I think about, you know, a parent or my my brother or you know something like this i can begin to latch on to the idea of love i can begin to handle it and it becomes more malleable so i think you can kind of go to the main thing you can get right down to the seed of it and then maybe it's too simple and then you have to give it a little bit of a you have to give it a little bit of a a body a little bit of a something to handle something to grab onto and so like maybe you love acting for whatever reason you want to be an actor. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. I did for a period of time. Maybe acting gives you a handle on the thing you're going for, but without acting, you don't have a handle on love. So like the acting becomes an expression of it. And so then it gives you purpose in your acting. You know what I mean? And so like, I don't know. I'm wrestling with this idea. I'm kind of patching it together at the end of this episode, but um, yeah, no, I'm I'm starting to realize like you can go deeper and then maybe you go so deep that you need to come back a step to get a bit of a grip on it. And I, I would just implore people to look, maybe look a little deeper. And if you find you can't, if it's too like, I don't know, like theoretical or too heady, then maybe pull it back or find something maybe a little bit more like you can kind of get a grip on and be like, I'm I'm doing this thing. And, and I think though, love ultimately informs everything. 
And I know that sounds super woo-woo and blah, blah, blah. And like, what? So for those of you out there, listen, I, I, I spent a lot of time, I feel like, trying to do these things and missing the point. And, and in this chapter of my life, I try to remember the point a little bit more. So when I'm off doing something, I try to ask myself, wait a minute, before we move forward, where's the love? And I suggest you do the same. Thank you for listening in on our conversation today. We hope you found something helpful that you can carry forward with you. Head over to our website, wayoftheartist.com, for more free exclusive material and learn about the show. If you haven't already, please support us by subscribing to the show, sharing it with people you know, and keeping compassionate, creative conversation going.